Spoons of Positivity. The date is the 17th of February and the time is 3.35am EST. Um, I sincerely apologize again for this, the longest of um, breaks and this is not going to be a regular episode, this is going to be us catching up. So I'm going to try and be as uniform, or not as uniform, I'm forgetting the word. I'll try to be as succinct as possible. And I hope you can just ignore the clicking sound of the mouse. So this is going to be a longer episode. And the reason why it's longer is because we're catching up on all the good things that happened in the month of January. And next week, we'll cover this month which is February and since, since it's the end of February it should be enough to put us right where we need to be like at the at the outset of March and we can resume our regularly scheduled programming from there so the first topic I wanted to want for us to cover is public transit and travel uh, so this one is an interesting news that there's a pan-European night train which received the green light and which will be receiving funding. So, the the marketing push is about how you can have lunch in London, breakfast in Berlin, and a good night's sleep in between. At least that's yeah, that's what they're pushing for. So this is set to launch in May, I think, of 2023, and it has plans to extend to Prague in 2024. The Brussels to Berlin service will fit a significant gap in Europe's burgeoning night train network, which is growing amid rising demand for sustainable travel options. There is a, a much greater discussion to be had about slow travel, and but I'm not equipped to have that at the moment. I sincerely apologize for that. But it's uh, it's it's really good for people who are who are essentially. Um, budget travelers and the reason why it's good is because it helps them like sleep travel during the night while also resting and recovering and they get to do everything they need to during the day it's it's a very um, it's it's an itinerary that's that revolves around your comfort which is how things should be but I, I don't know where we deviated but it, it's a good thing any initiative that pushes for public transit is going to be much better for the economy than like roads and cars because I think this was a study done in the US that one dollar invested in public transit um, gave back four dollars in in terms of like jobs higher incomes and like just growth to the economy and a bunch of other things the next uh, travel related news is that seaside towns in the uk are getting a boost so 
before the before 2020 seaside towns had fallen out of favor as uh, people were embracing foreign holidays and people just did not have the time to uh, travel that much uh travel they yeah how do i put this people didn't have the time to make short um, short term trips so now that work habits are changing and people know a lot more about what they want and what they would like to enjoy um we we are we are witnessing a change in travel patterns as well so since tuesday to thursday is like peak office week so people are using friday saturday sunday monday uh, these four days to engage with their community go out and leave the big cities and go to smaller towns and yeah it's just it's bringing a lot of um, money and a lot of happiness to these former ghost towns of sorts the only people who resided in these communities were people who were too old to like finance their migration or secure the means to their migration but now they're seeing families come back they're seeing kids in the driveway again they're hearing like um they're hearing people like having fun in communities cafes and stuff like that it's very wholesome it's nice to know that um after 2020 after the after the first few years of 2020 people have gained a better understanding of what really makes them happy and that's those are some of the big stories we have a few miscellaneous stories but it's we can summarize them um some big news stories happening in the food section as well so france moved to end fast food waste so the french kicked off the new year with an ambitious resolution to eliminate fast food packaging so this year uh, restaurant chains such as burger king and mcdonald's in france must provide reusable tableware for meals consumed on site instead of serving foods in disposable containers So this is due to a radical new law that is aimed at preventing 20 billion pieces of cutlery, cups, plates and other single-use items from being chucked away annually. That is horrifying. I'm so glad I don't eat at Burger King and McDonald's at least not as frequently as I used to. Um so the move has been welcomed by waste campaigners, but some restaurants were unprepared and are still serving meals in vanished containers. That is uh, that is a sad side effect. but i'm sure that major companies can recover from this as for like smaller outlets maybe an exception can be made for them or like maybe they can be provided enough time or resources to properly transition to much more sustainable tableware so the law is about the french government's efforts to eliminate single use plastic waste by 2040 hmm it's it's very aggressive and i hope they succeed Uh, moving on uh, all right spain did something as well spain did something that i <laughs> just based on what i know 
Spain just kicked Spain did did the equivalent of kicking a bull. <laughs> I I I don't know how else to put it. So Spain essentially smoked tobacco companies. So tobacco companies in Spain will have to pay to clean up cigarette butts. Um and the reason um okay, yeah, I, I'll, I'll rephrase. So when people smoke and they like throw the cigar the remaining part of the cigarette away um the the money that the spanish government spends on cleaning that will be reimbursed by tobacco companies since it's their product so the spanish government has not yet revealed how the cleanup will be implemented or what it will cost tobacco companies but estimates seem to be in the region of a billion euros <laughs> So cigarette ends are among the most commonly littered items in Europe and pose a danger to wildlife to children to just anything and everything that is that nicotine can harm. <laughs> so the new environmental regulation also bans also includes ban on plastic straws and cutlery. Now the reason why I said that Spain essentially kicked the bull is because tobacco companies are dangerously lit- litigious. Like if you even sneeze in their direction they will they will probably sue you <laughs> so this is good though it's um, i think the only c- country that has successfully uh, that has successfully implemented laws that are not in the interests of major tobacco companies is australia um i think new zealand tried it as well i'm not sure whether they succeeded or not but yeah after that after they lost the case with australia they've been trying really hard to make sure that no one pulls in australia again and spain just did <laughs> well it didn't exactly do the same thing uh australia had like plain packaging laws that made sure that that forced companies to uh not have like really exciting imagery on tobacco packets uh, like cigarette packets So this is this is a different tactic but like the intention is the same because i'm assuming that the tobacco companies once the tobacco companies start paying this bill they will raise the prices of their cigarettes to like break even and once that happens they'll probably lose um a chunk of their market share because the one thing that one of the few things that is attractive about the cigarette is that it's cheap <laughs> okay okay uh, let's let's move on let's move on let's not waste time i apologize for that the next big story is that scientists have identified a climate proof wheat so this wheat is heat tolerant and could improve yields in a warming world trials in mexico sonora desert found that wheat offered up to 50% higher yields in hot weather compared to variants that are already farmed we have a statement here from professor anthony hall of earlham institute of nutrition i did not pronounce that properly i sincerely apologize for that so yeah professor anthony hall stated that this sci- this is science we can now use to make an impact almost immediately um, this is hopefully going to be the first of many steps to contribute to global food security in coming years that's interesting i hope that it doesn't have any side effects when consumed but other than that this is a great 
first step and like we're already making progress on like ensuring that the soil survives the heat now that we also have now that we're also making strides in climate proofing the crops i think we can survive i think humanity will survive somehow and there's also there there are, there are stories coming up that now that will like reflect on this point or expand on this point the next topic is health and we have quite a quite a few things that happened in the health sector in the health and healthcare sector so the first thing was that a, a man with terminal cancer was cured yeah we have the first one of the first few um, cancer patients um, cancer free patients so the man who had been diagnosed with terminal cancer is free of the disease thanks to a crown breaking clinical trial Robert Clinton from Manchester England was given less than a year to live after doctors diagnosed him with bile wait what biliary biliary tract cancer a rare cancer that forms in the bile ducts of the liver oof i feel so bad for him but like i'm glad that he survived so glenn's cancer was at an advanced stage when he was referred to the christie cancer center here in manchester and there he enrolled in a clinical trial of an immunotherapy drug that had already approved that had been already approved for use in lung kidney and esophageal cancer so it wasn't even intended for liver but it still worked so that's amazing uh, for context immunotherapy works by helping the immune system identify and attack cancer the treatment together with chemotherapy killed off all cancer cells scans show that clen is now Glenn is now clear of the disease. Research is ongoing, but the development could open new avenues of treatment for other patients. And we have a statement from Glenn here. He says, "It's never over until it's over." I feel very lucky. When something like this happens, you realize life is for living. That's a that's a good statement. It's very true. I have so many questions about this. Like all of them are good questions. Like, how soon do you think? Uh, how soon is there? Like, is there an estimate for mass producing this thing? And like, who is mass producing it? Will we privatize this? And like, without uh, and what laws will we implement to ensure that uh, companies don't take advantage of it? No one pulls a Martin Shkreli. Uh, for context, uh, Martin Shkreli is a guy who. um he became ceo of a company uh, he he came into an executive level position and he changed the price of a life saving drug just to make more money off of it and he was later arrested on some corporate fraud or something he was arrested for a white collar crime and he was interviewed and his only regret was that he didn't raise the price high enough which i i I don't understand why <laughs> but let's move on so we have uh, we have potential cures for cancer coming in we have artificial pancreas being created <clears throat> so this is for people with uh, type 1 diabetes diabetes <laughs> i should say that um yeah um so yeah how do, where do i start let's see acting like an artificial pancreas the technology monitors glucose levels and snares the data with a pump which injects insulin into the body when needed 
the National Institute of Health and Care Excellence endorsed the system this week after trials showed that it improved the quality of life and reduced the risk of long-term health complications. We have a statement from the Interim Director of Medical Technology. This is the best intervention to help people control their diabetes. It's barring a cure. So, the National Health Institute's endorsements paved the way for the system to be offered to more than 100,000 people in England and Wales with type 1 diabetes. That's very interesting. And like, especially uh, during a time of like insulin shortage, it was in the news. But this is good. This is really good. So the system works that they have like a scanner, I think. Yeah, the they have a scanner which monitors glucose levels, and then that that data goes to a pump, and then that pump secretes insulin into the body accordingly. That that's good. It's like much better. That'll help people ration uh, if they are rationing their insulin. It might help them like avoid the drastic the more drastic side effects of rationing. Let's keep moving. Okay. So, oh yeah, this was this was an interesting uh, story. That there was encouraging health news from the US this week, where cancer death rates have reportedly fallen by a third since 1991. Uh, that's according to the American Cancer Society, which attributes the decline to early detection, improved treatments, less smoking. So the ACS recorded an astounding 65% reduction in cervical cancer rates among women aged 20 to 24, who were the first to receive the human oh, HPV vaccine. Ah, oh, right, I need to, I, I have to get that, but I, dang it. Okay. Um, however, prostate cancer, the second leading cause of cancer death, for death in men in the US, increased 3% per year from 2014 to 2019 after two decades of decline. I mean, a lot of stuff happened between 2014 and 2019. So let's, let's not, uh, let's focus on the positives. But yeah, this is, this is sad news. The ACS has since launched a project to improve outcomes. See, that's a good solution. And like, that's, that's great. Like, I didn't know HPV was this effective. Uh, like, HPV vaccines were this effective. If I knew, I, I would have gotten them sooner. I didn't. I would might be too late. I need to talk to a doctor before that. Right, the next big story. Oh, this one. I like this one. So, uh, there was like fresh evidence from nature's positive impact on public health. A study of 7,000 people in Helsinki, Finland revealed that, revealed a correlation between exposure to nature and lower use of prescription drugs. Which is antidepressants. Interestingly, um, the benefits of being in nature appear to be strongest among those with the lowest household incomes. I don't know what other variables that exist in this study that are being used to make this link, but it seems very interesting. So yeah, um, strongest among those with the lowest household incomes underscoring the need to improve public access to green spaces. The research conducted by the Finnish Institute of Health and Welfare and published in the BMJ Journal adds to a growing body of evidence that suggests that spending time in nature is 
much better for us than we previously thought. It also chimes with anecdotal evidence from within the community, within several communities, when we think of boosting mental health in winter months, spending time in nature, like gardening or growing a plant or something, is usually a thing that most people suggest. Let's, let's keep moving. We have quite a few stories left. And I've already been speaking for 20 minutes. Oh, right. Uh, people who sit all day for, for a health hack is something I need to <laughs> put in as well. So there's been surprisingly little research into how often people with desk jobs should take a break and stretch their legs. One thing we do know is that sitting for prolonged periods has been linked with a greater chance of developing conditions such as cancer, heart disease, and diabetes. But health could be on hand. Researchers in the US have been working on identifying the least amount of walking one could do to offset the harmful health effects of sitting. And um, the conclusion, I read a few studies on this, like I skimmed a few studies on this, and from what I found, uh, the consensus seems to be get up, get out of your chair once every hour, once every 60 minutes, and Try to walk if possible for five minutes. If not, then march in one place for like two to five minutes. And it's easier said than done, but it it the benefits are far outweigh um, the the level of embarrassment you might feel just standing in a place and marching. Okay, uh, let's keep moving. The next topic is sustainability. This this had some big hitters. Like this this the stories that happened, the stories that broke this this month. They could definitely change um, the progress that we're making, like the rate at which we're making it, and of course open new avenues for us as a as a species. So the first is from the Netherlands. Uh, where the Dutch government has cast a, critil- a critical eye on biomass. In a European first, the Dutch government has pledged to stop paying subsidies on wood pellet manufacturers unless they can back up their sustainability claims. Burning wood pellets is dubiously touted as a sustainable form of renewable energy, but an investigation by uh, news platforms discredited the green credentials of one of the world's largest producers of wood pellets. Oof. The firm denies claims against it, of course. <laughs> the investigation prompted the Dutch government to agree to pull subsidies for wood pellets for wood pellet companies that can't back up their eco-credentials. Mostly that's a good move. Like, isn't that what happens in every other aspect of life? Like, if you can't back up your claims, then... You, you don't get the money. <laughs> okay. uh, the move follows Australia's decision to amend its renewable energy policy to, in, to exclude wood biomass from native forests as a renewable energy source. It's a good story and like re- revamping or like reinventing uh, our approach to biomass could be like a, a major breakthrough. Another one is from England, where they confirmed a ban on some plastics. So they're being used for minutes. They they are used for minutes, 
but they take centuries to decompose. However, the days of plastic plates, cutlery, cups appear to be numbered, at least millions, after the government confirmed it would press ahead with the ban. It is a welcome sign of progress, but some campaigners are disappointed that more items are not on the list. This seems to be um, a general grievance that many people have. Like, a lot of countries have in- introduced bans on plastic products, and every time it happens, everyone says that, oh, the list is not big enough. I, I don't know why. I would like to know why the list isn't big enough. I think it's because the lawmakers who implement this they understand that there are some plastics for which we do not have an alternative at the moment and once we do have alternatives for it we can start phasing them out so oh right so this one is this one give this one handicaps itself for some reason because the law the proposed law only appears to apply to takeaway outlets and not supermarkets which is strange like why would you not do that so critics say that it merely scratches the surface of a problem that's out of control. England has already outlawed some single-use plastic products such as cotton buds and straws. Scotland and Wales have their plastic legislation in place. And last week France pressed ahead with an ambitious law aimed at eliminated, eliminating fast food packaging. Oh, last week. Uh, they meant that. Never mind. <laughs> but yeah, this is, this is really good. These are really good initiatives. The next story is about British housing developers. Uh, so they are required to create mini wetlands on their new projects. Housing developers in England will be required to create mini wetlands on new developments, the UK government announced a few weeks ago. And the policy is a win for Wild Fowl and Wild Wild and Wetlands Trust. A charity that has long campaigned for such a move. So not only will this decision provide three billion dollars in reduced flood damages, it will provide a natural resource for people's mental well-being by putting blue and green space in urban areas directly where people live and work. This is taken from the charity. And yeah, that makes so much sense. Oh my god. Why why did it take so long to think of it? But I'm glad that it's here. And I hope it's. I hope it improves. Uh, the next one is about animals and nature. We have two stories here. The first story is from India, where no one sing one horned rhinos were poached in the year 2022. I think. Yeah, no rhinos were poached. No, no rhinos were poached last year in the world's largest reserve for the great one-horned rhino. Indian police said this week it was the first year since 1977 that no rhinos were killed in Kaziranga National Park, a wildlife-filled haven in India's Assam state. The news is a win for conservationists who have been working hard to protect the animals. Local police said that 58 poachers were arrested last year, and the global population of the one-horned rhinos has soared from 200 to more than 4,000 since the turn of the 20th century, according to the National Rhino Foundation. That's really good. I hope that uh, people who um, make a living out of poaching, they find a better alternative to earn money. But other than that, this is great news. Next one is about the ozone layer and how it's on track to recover completely, I think. Yeah, 
Earth's ozone layer is on track to fully recover within four decades thanks to global efforts to phase out ozone-depleting chemicals. That's according to the UN, which presented its findings this month. It said that current policies, if current policies remain in place, the ozone layer will fully recover across much of the world by 2040. The polar regions, it added, will take around two decades longer, so 2060. The political will summoned to address ozone layer's demise is considered a hopeful precedent for tackling the climate crisis. The UN said that efforts to repair the ozone layer may have avoided a 0.5 degree Celsius of warming by 2100. Uh, this is great news, but I would also like to add that this is, this is, I don't know if it's taking into account the amount of progress that we will be making and how the stories that we've covered about the breakthroughs breakthroughs that have happened we haven't i don't know if this report is taking into account the the boosts that we will get because of the breakthroughs that we've discussed just because of the inventions and like positive changes that we've discussed so it could be 2040 it could be sooner than that so i'm, I'm optimistic about that now we have like miscellaneous stories which is good because I've been speaking for 30, oh, 30 minutes. <laughs> I've been falling for 30 minutes. Okay, I, I, I apologize for that. So, <clears throat> this, is, uh, this is from the UK again. No, this, this, this is from Europe. Okay, it's not just a UK thing. A Banksy style street artist is turning urban decay into something beautiful while making Europe's street safer for, stay safer for pedestrians. That was, a, that was a tongue twister. Um, describing himself as a bitumen mender, sidewalk poet, and macadam surgeon. Lyon based MMM okay, has been filling in potholes with colorful mosaics. His artworks have pre- appeared across the continent, but while his creations are becoming increasingly visible, the artist himself remains incognito, which is very smart. Because more often than not, this this kind of vandalism is not taken uh, like is not taken I think kindly by any government, regardless of how amazing the art is. Which is a real shame. If he like, um, if if the artwork is good, then the person being accused of vandalism should be either let off or like provided employment. Because like this is what they're doing when they don't have. This is what they're doing when they feel inspired. What do you think they'll do when they're getting paid? Like, they have the inspiration and they have an incentive. Possibilities are endless. Uh, Let's keep moving on. The next one is about how indie bookshops had another brilliant year. So indie bookshops, I think, are independent bookshops. Uh, At least in the UK, they're having um, really good... Uh, they're bringing in a lot of income. Uh, they they cre- they're bringing in a lot of revenue despite the economic gloom. The number of independent bookshops that the Booksellers Association represents has grown for six consecutive years. For the sixth consecutive year in 2022, so it has been growing since 2018, I think. Yeah, I think so. It now stands at 1,072. Wow, that's that's a lot of bookshops. 
So during the pandemic, we saw a f- frankly astonishing number of new entrants to book selling, which is very true. I <laughs> I, I happen to be um, I happen to befriend a bookseller. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that to be a job. So bookshops are crucial. Uh, this is a statement from Meryl Holes, MD of the Booksellers Association. She added that bookshops are crucially important and valued parts of our high street communities. They bring social and cultural capital to every town, village, and suburb or city center they are a part of. That's very true. I hope we get to see more bookstores or bookshops in the world. Next big story is about it's it's the same story that I've covered like so many times. Renew the renewable energy industry is like taking the lead in unburdening governments. Unburdening from what exactly? Unburdening from like the weight of fossil fuels basically. I don't know how else to put it. I'll just read the article. So green energy has overtaken gas as the UK's leading source of electricity um, as of this winter of 2022, sparing the country from an even worse energy crisis. So this is according to an analysis by the Energy and Climate Intelligence Unit, which said that offshore wind was leading the charge. Uh, though this is like though the industry is like overtaking gas. The investments in energy infrastructure and battery technology to sur- to store surplus green energy is lagging, which kind of sucks. So speeding up investments in our power grid will enable more of this uh, cheap natural energy to flow into homes, so bringing down bills. This is a statement from... Oh god, where is, where is their name? I can't find it. <laughs> Okay, Jess Ralston, head of energy at the ECIQ. So yeah, this uh, this 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 makes sense because the principal problem that we faced ever since we've discovered renewable energy is that we we're not able to store all of it. A lot of it is just wasted because it just it generates so much energy. It's 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 really op, but like we were really dropping the ball on this one <laughs> I, but like based on what we've discussed today i'm optimistic that we'll be able to we'll be able to cover that gap soon enough this is a story that i've heard and like maybe discussed a few times but the ultra rich have pleaded for higher taxes so this uh, tax the ultra rich and do it now. This was a plea from for more than two hundred members of the world's super wealthy, who signed an open letter calling for higher taxes to tackle inequality. So this group of two hundred and five millionaires and billionaires, including Mark Ruffalo and Abigail Disney, signed the letter ahead of the World Economic Forum in Davos. Uh, this comes from research from Oxfam revealed that two-thirds of the new wealth amassed since the start of the pandemic has gone to the richest one percent yeah that's messed up there's only so much stress any society can take only so many times mothers and fathers will watch their children go hungry while the ultra rich contemplate their growing wealth said the letter the solution is plain for all to see you our global representatives have to tax us the ultra rich we have to stop now huh there's, there's a lot to say about that because 
while these 200 individuals who signed this letter um are some of the best that we may have in in the richest 1% the rest are just hyper focused on like safeguarding their wealth which is really sad to see there's a story of the guy um i think i've shared the story before there was a guy who lived there was a guy he was a merchant he lived next to a beggar or a, yeah he lived next to a beggar no he lived next to a cobbler yeah he lived next to a cobbler and the cobbler was really happy he had absolutely like he every morning he woke up uh, he slept with the door open because he knew he didn't have anything that anyone would want to steal so he woke up he waved to his neighbor the rich merchant he went into town and he polished people's shoes and whatever money he earned went to like buying food for himself and he saved like pennies and that he was saving up but the amount that he had collected wasn't really that much so he wasn't worried about it getting stolen and he noticed that uh, his life compared to the merchants was so much free from stress because the merchant rose they they both woke up at the same time but the cobbler always felt that the merchant never went to sleep the cobbler always felt that the merchant was just stressed all the time just scared that people would steal his money from him and every uh, every day before nightfall the the merchant would have his servants lock up every door and window before leaving him alone in his mansion he would make them lock all the doors and windows and then he would kick them out and this one day the merchant walked up to the cobbler and said i have too much money and i feel bad for you so please just have this fat stack of cash and the cobbler was just really happy because suddenly all his financial troubles seemed to have disappeared he didn't um this happened in the morning and he was so happy that he said okay i'm not going to work today i'm just going to keep my money in with me and i'm just going to keep counting it and just being fa- be fascinated by it and so the first day i think that he chose not to eat because he was worried about spending his money he didn't want his wealth to decrease and as night fell he realized that he was getting more and more anxious with the loss of daylight his his fear of getting mugged started increasing so like the merchant he hurried home and for the first time in his life he locked his doors and windows and he stuffed the fat stack of cash under the pillow and then he slept on the pillow but he didn't like go to sleep he laid awake the whole night just wondering uh just fearing not wondering fearing every every time he every time he dozed off he would like wake himself up and check if the money still there and that went on for like that went on for just one night the second the second day the moment he saw the sun he woke up he took the money and he gave it back to the merchant he was like dude i i can't i value my i value my mental health so much more than this fat stack of cash so whenever i see like people millionaires crying about taxes and like stories about how millionaires don't pay taxes it just makes me it, it reminds me of this story and it kind of makes me feel bad i haven't even 
begin to imagine the amount of stress they they've put themselves under i am so sorry for getting this negative let's uh, let's end with a really positive note so wales had a huge win for gender equality um anyone who plays for the welsh national football side will receive equal pay regardless of their gender this was announced i think this month i think the i think last week or the week before the welsh football association agreed to a landmark deal guaranteeing pay parity on wednesday it is understood that the men's side accepted a 25 pay cut while the women's team received a 25 pay rise that is great but that's also messed up uh well i'm glad that it has been uh, remedied in a joint statement the men's and women's team said that we hope that this will allow future generations of boys and girls to see that there is equality across welsh international football which is important for a society as a whole that's very true that knowing that um your gender won't handicap you in in being able to earn or being able to do what you love or get paid for what you love it's it 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 does such a it's it's such a boost for your mental health and for like society as a whole and like that's also a really good thing to do so i hope that other sports associations do the same thing i have heard of stories like news stories about initiatives that are being discussed and i'm optimistic that they'll be implemented maybe this month maybe next but soon so and yeah those are almost all the things that happened in january almost all the good things that happened in january and next week we'll do february and we'll have kora uh thank you so much oh i completely forgot i would like to thank the one person listening to this i really hope you enjoyed it uh thank you so much for tuning in and now i am going to tune out bye bye